Welcome to the By Pinfall Only podcast. My name is Nate. You may also know me as The Nate Show via The Nate Show podcast, which we are also kind of simulcasting on for this episode. We've done this before. I say we. I should point out that if you listen to the pilot episode, which is still available wherever you're listening to this, uh, my buddy Alex and I discussed some different things. Again, you're allowed to listen to that if you want to but for this going forward i'm gonna be uh, this is gonna be a singles match uh, as far as this format goes and it may be that way for a little bit uh we'll we'll kind of see what's going on um i know alex is a a very very busy man uh, and a father as well but we're excited we've we talk all the time literally every day so we're excited to work together he'll be back on the podcast at some point that being said, though, I wanted to get on here and unleash some of these wrestling, not so much opinions, but just thoughts that I have. And it seemed like in the vein of, you know, the same day this episode is going up is the same day that Marvel's What If series is going up on Disney+. Plus. Now, for fans of the comics, you know this isn't like a new thing. You know, What If has been a thing for a long time. But I thought one of the cool things about wrestling, and Alex and I always talk about this, is how many different... Um, you know, branching paths there are or could be. And wrestling lends itself pretty well to what-if scenarios because it's sort of an evergreen thing. It's ongoing. It's not like your typical TV show where, you know, you're going to watch some episodes and they may take a week off or there's seasons and this and that. And, you know, WWE in particular has been going, you know, nonstop since, you know, like the 80s. And weekly episodic television has been going since 1993 when Monday Night Raw started. And it just, uh, I'm not trying to give you wrestling history here, but we're going to talk about going forward, at least I'm going to talk about uh, whenever I'm on here solo, is going to be talking about some what ifs. And we're going to start this sort of, I don't want to say debut episode, but this sort of first of its format episode, we're going to start with uh, something that any wrestling fan is at least somewhat familiar with, uh, the Montreal Screwjob, as it's known, Survivor Series 1997. You know, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart leaving the WWF to go to the rival WCW. And we'll get into that. I'll, I'll do a little bit of a brief recap because I know, and in particular, I know of at least one friend of mine that is not, you know, that is a very, very casual wrestling fan. is isn't something that they you know, would go out of their way to watch or be informed on, but when it's on, they enjoy it, which is kind of strange considering they only really get to watch on Mondays. So I don't know how you could enjoy that if that's all you have access to, but I guess ignorance is bliss. And I mean that in a nice way. I'm not insulting my friend. It's just like there's there's better stuff out there, and the product did used to be better, but, you know, that's everything. When, when people talk about music, uh, they talk about, oh, I love this person's stuff, but th- their old stuff was better. If, if it's movies, it's like, hey, I like, I like this one, but the original is better. Like, so that's always going to be a thing, and wrestling is no different. But the Montreal Screwjob is interesting in that there are already a ton of what-ifs, even within what actually did happen, never mind the you know multiversal chain of events that could have happened had things gone differently. So it's a topic that 
lends itself really well to conversation anyway, but especially this sort of what if format. And there'll be tons of these that I'll go through. I have a notebook full of what ifs and branching paths and what could have happened. The Montreal Screwjob, again, is interesting in that it's fairly straightforward, but also immensely complicated somehow at the same time. So we're going to do this in sort of a, you know, the, the podcast is called by pinfall only. So um, with that being said, um, we're going to do it in sort of a three count format, um, meaning, you know, a little one, two, three action. So one is always going to start with here's what happened here's you know sort of the the layout we get the match going the second part of that is going to be you know some things that could have happened some branching paths that could have happened well what if this happened what if that happened it's going to be the main you know meat of the podcast it's going to be you know the main dish it's going to be you know, the basically kind of like the match itself. You get all the stuff that leads up to the match, you know, the match itself. And then, of course, the aftermath and that that part three, that aftermath in this case is just quite simply be going to be me and whoever I have, whether it's Alex or another guest on where we're talking about a certain topic, what they would have liked to have seen happen if, if they were because a lot and a lot of times with wrestling, people want to book their own storylines and you know, they, they want to, okay, well, here's how I would have done it if I were in charge. I mean, if you were a kid, it, maybe I'm just speaking selfishly, but as a child, you did this anyway. You had your, um, it didn't even have to be wrestling, but when you had your action figures, you were always, okay, well, here's a storyline I'm creating. And you would do that <laughs> so maybe sometimes subconsciously. You have your little action figures out. Okay, there's Steve Austin. There's The Rock. Okay, I'm going to have The Rock win this one. And you would just do like a back and forth thing, and it was always fun. And even as adults, especially in wrestling, we still like to do that. So, I and again, I'll speak personally. I like to do that. So, well, I'll do some of that. So, we'll start with, again, Survivor Series 97, the Montreal screw job as it's known. Uh, Bret Hart, Bret the Hitman Hart, who was as a child my, not when he was a child, when I was a child, was my favorite wrestler. And to this day, I mean, you know, there are a lot of things as far as like, um, and we'll get into this, but like reasons to maybe not love Bret Hart as a person or whatever. And, you know, like I said, we'll get to all that in a second, but like, not that he's necessarily done anything bad or evil. It's just, no, we'll get to that. So, but as a wrestler, I, he's still one that I love to watch perform. I love to go back on, you know, the WWE network, or if you have Peacock, you have that and watch, you know, for example, King of the Ring, 1993, uh, even this match, even though it doesn't really have the proper finish, uh, is a good match. You know, I don't know of very many times that Bret Hart put on a bad match. Uh, that's just me. So, yeah, so Survivor Series 97, Montreal. It is... This is a myth that I feel like needs busting, but a lot of people think of it as... Bret Hart's final day in the company, which technically it was, but it wasn't his last day under contract. So a brief recap on what we have leading up to this is we have Bret Hart in a situation where he's been the company guy, the top guy ever since, really since 93 when Hogan left to go to WCW and Randy Savage followed him shortly thereafter. So you're left with 
uh, what WWF at the time was calling the new generation. It was kind of led by Bret Hart, guys like Diesel, Razor Ramon, I mean, The Undertaker, um, which is funny, in 97, people were considering Undertaker old then, and we see, anyway, so, you know, Shawn Michaels, and then you had Steve Austin was on the come up at this very same time, I was getting a lot of momentum, uh, several people within that, you know, new generation that were able to grow and thrive, and, and this and that, and Bret Hart was a guy that obviously was leading the company, putting on great matches, but one of the issues that, and this is just me speaking personally, that in later years you come to find out that, you know, I mentioned Diesel and Razor Ramon. You may know them as Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. They go to WCW in 1996, partially because, depending on who you listen to, because they had some issues with Brett, but also just because WCW was offering guaranteed money, something the WWF wasn't doing at the time, uh, and offering more money to work less dates. So, the typical schedule with WWF back then would have had you on the road doing shows anywhere from 200 to 300 days a year. Whereas WCW, you were never really working more than 150 dates a year, but also making more money. So it's like a lighter workload, more time at home with your family or whatever. And of course you have the money to spend to maintain that family. So there's all that. So in 96, around this time that Nash and Hall leave, Brett is still the guy, but also Shawn Michaels, um, that very, really that very same, uh, the, the very same WrestleMania in 1996 that would be Nash and Hall's last with the company in WWF before they go to WCW. Brett and Shawn have that epic Iron Man match, 60-minute match goes into overtime. Me personally, I don't care for Iron Man matches because I don't think there's much suspense to them. You kind of know it's going to come down to the final second, so if it's an hour-long match, you kind of know the first 59 minutes. You don't really have to pay attention to but it's a great match. It's beloved by a lot of people. Not me so much personally for what I enjoy, but that's it is what it is. So you have that. Shawn Michaels um, achieves the boyhood dream, as was famously said on commentary. And... Yeah, so there's that. And then Brett takes some time off. He was shooting the uh, TV show Lonesome Dove. He needed some time off for injuries. And in the meantime, Shawn Michaels is the top guy in the company. He's the guy with the belt. But ratings are suffering because, not just because Nash and Hall went to WCW, but because they formed the NWO. The, I mean, any wrestling fan, you can look some of this stuff up um, on YouTube as well. I'm not going to go down this nwo rabbit hole or i'll be here all day but wcw just starts really just taking over in the ratings they're winning the monday night wars as it's known nitro on monday raw on monday two competing companies nitro's live raw is taped so there's a lot of reasons that people were really defecting to wcw and sean maybe unfairly got blamed for a loss of interest in the wwf product so brett comes back late 96 Starts a feud with Steve Austin, who just began doing the Stone Cold thing. And in the midst of this, Brett is negotiating a new contract. His contract is set to run out December 5th, 1997. So around a year out, they start trying to negotiate. Okay, so uh, Brett meets with Eric Bischoff, who's kind of heading up WCW at the time. And Brett wasn't interested um depending on who you ask, I'm kind of sourcing him on this, wasn't really interested in joining WCW, but 
you know, thought would be good for business. If nothing else, I can, you know, get an offer from Eric, take it back to Vince, see if he'll match it. And I'd rather stay with Vince and WWF. So he meets with uh, Bischoff and kind of jokingly Bischoff asks him, what would it take? Like, you know, what would it take to get you to come to WCW? What kind of money? What kind of check would I have to write? And Brett said kind of sarcastically, just threw out a number that he didn't think at all would be matched. He said, give me $3 million a year, you know, whatever. I'll come over. Eric says, well, okay, let me talk to my higher-ups and see what I can do. And calls him back the next day. He goes, yeah, $3 million, We can do it. So now all of a sudden, Brett is sort of, he has an extreme position of leverage where he goes back to Vince and says, hey, you know, Eric just offered me $3 million. What can you do? So we he does that the event says i you know i can't i definitely can't guarantee that you know our business is just not in a place where i can give you that much money so that's another thing that i meant to mention earlier was that brett used to make less than he probably deserved and he he gave out of loyalty gave vince sort of a sweetheart deal on all these contracts he was getting cuz he considered going to to WCW in 1993 and decided to stay and one of the things that happened, and this is where I've heard Kevin Nash talk about getting frustrated with Brett, is Nash, you know, has a baby on the way. When he's negotiating with WCW, he wants to make more money. And he says, if you can just match it, I think it was like $750,000 a year. And he said, Vince, if you can just match it, I'll, I'll stay. I, I don't want to go anywhere. Same thing with Scott Hall. They were both sort of like, we don't want to go. We'd rather stay here, but, you know money guarantee money and one of the things vince mcmahon could always do and say well brett's the top guy and he's only making this so there's no way i can pay you you know so it's like brett was always kind of used as leverage by vince to as an excuse to pay talent less money so now you get to 97 brett's being offered three million a year to go somewhere and what ends up happening is vince says i can't give you that but what i can give you is basically sort of a lifetime, a 20-year contract that um, will continue to sort of increase as it goes. But right now, we're in a tough spot. We'll get figured. So anyway, it was like this complicated thing. You can look up the details of that on Google if you want. So Brett goes, okay, great, cool. Then I'll do that. We'll come to find out, Vince comes back to him later on and says, hey, it, you know, be honest with you, I don't like doing this, but that twenty that twenty year we're not I'm not gonna be able to honor that. He goes, but I'm happy to help you negotiate with WCW. Anything you need, I I wanna do right by you, which is ironic considering what we're getting to here in a minute. I wanna do right by you. So I'll, I'm willing to help you, whatever. Um it it is what it is. So in the meantime, so Brett's kind of confused. He's like, I wanted to stay, but now it seems like I'm, I'm going to have to go. Like, I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to have to go to WCW. I, I want to, but I'm going to have to. In the meantime, this is the most important part of this, though, is in 97, Brett and Sean were never, like, best friends, but they were always sort of friendly and acquaintances and had respect for each other. Um, during this time frame, Sean is becoming he Sean and he's talked about this so I'm not just insulting the man he's struggling with some demons as far as they're 
with some issues with some drug use and some just he was a, he was a wild dude back then had some issues that he needed to take care of and you mix that with you know he's in this sort of toxic wrestling environment and then his rivalry with Brett that used to be built out of competitiveness and you know respect has now morphed into a personal uh issue of disrespect um with sean famously uh, alluding to on tv that uh bret hart was having an affair with sonny and you know that's debatable we'll never know if that was actually going on but it's worth noting that bret married and married with a child and was having to deal with the ramifications of that insinuation so and, and famously, Brett and Sean got into a, a legitimate fight backstage area with, you know, chunks of hair being pulled out. So the, the famous line is Sean going into the locker room or the office where Vince McMahon and the writers were with a chunk of his own hair and yelling unsafe working environment and then leaving the room. <laughs> and so you, you have all this going on and the storyline in the ring leading up to this match at the time is obviously... So, I will say obviously, but it was really this sort of thing between Sean and Brett in the ring where it was sort of an America versus Canada type thing, Brett Hart being Canadian. So, when they would do things in Canada, Brett Hart and the Hart Foundation would get cheered, but then in America they'd get booed and vice versa. So, you have all that going into this. And so, we're building to Survivor Series 97, Sean versus Brett, and little spoiler alert for you casual wrestling fans the the results in almost all cases of a wrestling match are sort of predetermined in that here's who we want the term going over who's here's who we want winning this match so brett thinks it would be a good idea it's worth noting he's the champion at the time he had won it from the undertaker at a previous pay-per-view brett thinks Here's what I'll do. So again, these were all the what ifs start to come in. What I'd like to do is win, and I don't want to lose to Shawn Michaels in Canada. It would ruin my image as a Canadian hero. And also, there was an alleged conversation between Shawn and Brett, where Brett went up to Shawn and said, "Hey, I just want you to know. I, I know we have our personal issues, uh, but the time come time comes, I need to put you over." I'm willing to do business. I'm willing to do so. I just want to have a good match. And Sean apparently famously said, I appreciate you saying that, but I just want you to know that I wouldn't do the same for you. And so from that point on, Brett was sort of like, all right, F him. Like, I don't, I'm not doing any favors for him. So I don't want to get into the personal issue of how I feel about the irony there to me with, I would just say like with Brett is, Hey, I'm willing to do the right thing unless you're not do, willing to do the right thing. And then I'm not going to do the right thing. So it's like, you can't really only be willing to do the right thing when it benefits you. But anyway, so and again, I love Brett Hart, but you know, anyway, so there's that, there's so many different things. So Brett's idea is I'll, let me win. Um, even though I'm going to WCW, let me win, retain the belt, and then I'll just show up tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw and forfeit the belt and then say my goodbyes or whatever. Which sounds great in theory, but there's no chance. Like th- To me, there's no chance that that's logical. 
in any way, shape, or form because there's nothing really other. I mean, I know his contract runs out a little bit after this because it's worth noting Survivor Series is November 9th. Brett's contract officially is up December 5th. So a lot of times when people say, well, why didn't Brett just show up the next night on Nitro? Well, that's why he couldn't. But at the time, Vince and that company couldn't take the risk of he might be gone forever. We can't just have him have our belt, our championship, and show up on our competition when we're already getting our ass kicked by that competition. We can't do that. So, no. To quote Vince McMahon, no chance in hell. So, but that's Brett's idea. They pitch, allegedly, a bunch of different ideas. Well, what if we did this? What if we had you win by disqualification or had you lose by disqualification? You keep the belt, but then this, that, we could have some weird thing happen, and then, uh, so you could still win the match, but we got to get, like, no scenario that was ever pitched to Brett that involved him losing the belt. Basically, the only thing that worked for Brett was the idea that he pitched, that one idea. And they would pitch these ideas, he would say no, and then they would ask, well, Brett, what, what other kind of idea would you have? And he wouldn't really have anything. So that's frustrating, too. So at a certain point, and again, you can watch uh, Dark Side of the Ring did a documentary on the Montreal Screwjob. You can watch that. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff on YouTube. There's so much stuff everywhere about Screwjob. I kind of want to move on from what actually happened here in a second. But basically the decision was made at a certain point. If Brett doesn't want to do business, we'll do business for him. So you have the match. Uh, there was supposed to be a spot where Sean puts Brett and Brett's own finishing move, the sharpshooter, Brett reverses it and they continue the match. Well, Brett, or excuse me, Sean puts Brett in the sharpshooter. Brett goes to reverse it, but the ref rings the bell as if Brett tapped out and your winner and new world champion, Sean Michaels, chaos ensues. Um, again, you can look up the entire, you can look up the documentary and kind of see what happened from there as far as that night. You know, Brett Hart punching Vince McMahon all kinds of crazy stuff and Sean being hysterical, lying through his teeth about, I didn't know what was going to happen, this and that, you know, the show ending with Brett waving goodbye to the crowd and motioning WCW with his fingers. So there you are. And the what ifs within that are crazy because, well, what if we had done it this way? So that's the whole premise of this match in general is what if, what if it, it's already, the stage is already set for this sort of, there's so many, is it such a chaos theory thing? Well, if we do this, what if this happens? Well, what if we do this? We do this. So I have this very poor piece of paper in front of me of some different branching realities, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that could have happened. So we'll sort of get into these here and again if you if you haven't watched the dark side of the ring documentary on the screw job you really should so the first reality that i'd like to get into the the multiverse i'd like to get into is let's say um that, that they indulge brett brett wins the match goes over he's a canadian hero so what happens next because still you have to be terrified at least for 24 hours Wait, is Brett just going to take the belt with him? Like we were talking about, is he going to go to WCW? Let's say that he, Brett's a man of his word, which to that point, he pretty much always had been. He's a man of his word. He shows up on Monday Night Raw the next night. 
the opening segment, they were still in Canada. I just want to thank the crowd, this and that, blah, 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 blah. So here's where these realities start to branch. And by the way, Sean, Sean winning by disqualification the night before would have led to some of these same realities, I think, that I'm about to um, talk about. So the first thing that could have happened is Brett, being a man of his word, comes to the ring. Uh, I forfeit the belt. Um, I'm going away. I just wanted to go out on top, this and that, boom. But now it's time for uh, the company to move forward without me, crown new champions, this and that. So you could either have, at that point, you could have a tournament. Or, and this is something that I'll talk about when I close the episode, talking about what I would have done. But one of the things that I wish would have happened or could have happened, it could have even happened the night before the Survivor Series. I don't really understand why Brett's brother, Owen, rest in peace, Owen Hart, was never considered to win the championship. It kind of, I understand that the premise was we need to get the belt back on Sean so that we can then get it to Austin at WrestleMania 13, I believe it was, in 1998. I get all that, but you could still have that match while also... The most important thing you can do in wrestling, in my opinion, is build new stars. Build new people for the fans to invest in. And then if you're just strictly looking at it as a business, well, that works too because they're out buying shirts. When, when a new talent gets over, that's a good thing for everyone involved. It's good for that person. It's good for the fans. It's good for business. It's good for the bottom line. No pun intended with Steve Austin. So... Why not have Owen feature in this story? In 94, I believe it was, you already had Brett versus Owen that put on a, just a killer match at WrestleMania. Just a great match. And so from that point, Owen should have been booked like he was a top guy because he was talented enough to be, had the charisma to be. I don't know what it was. He's a little bit smaller than what Vince looked at. But again, Brett's not a big guy either. So... You could have always had Owen in this sort of featured main event spot. Anytime you've seen an Owen Hart match, it's pretty much always been a good match. But why not have... So this is what I would pitch, going back to that forfeiting the belt. You either have a tournament to crown a new champion, and you can have Sean in that, you can have Austin in that, and then you can have Owen in that. And I'll come back to that one in a second. Or you have... Brett come out, thank the crowd, and have Owen have the Heart Foundation with Brett, but have Owen in the midst of that say, hey, I've proven I can beat you before, Brett, and I understand you're leaving, but I'm staying right here. Um, let's see who the better man really is, literally, finally, once and for all. Like, Let's settle this now. Who is the king of hearts? And so... I understand it would be kind of weird with no build, but it, it doesn't need build when it's those two. It's brother to brother, and they're in Canada. The crowd would have been so insane for that match. So you could have had Brett versus Owen. Brett on the way out, Owen with a chance to win the world title. 
And you could do one of two finishes to that. You could have Brett, or excuse me, Owen Hart win the match, win the world title, which is my preferred option. Or you have Sean and Hunter come out and interfere, super kick both of them, pedigree both of them, whatever. You have China there. She can beat them down. They can have a war between DX and the Hart Foundation one last time. And from then on, you could have, like, for example, the next week, you get an inconclusive finish to that match. You then have Vince come out and say, well, there is no world champion. There was no conclusive result. The title thus must be vacated with Bret Hart gone forever. Uh, so you could still have Owen feature into that and be mad and be like, hey, I deserve it. I deserve it. I was right there. I won. I was pinning and the ref was knocked out, whatever. You could have any, you know, any branching reality from that that you want. So you, you could have had Owen still, you could have Owen as a top guy now without even having to be the world champ. And or that very next week you can have Vince say, well, we're going to do a tournament, pal. We're going to have, uh, you can have four men, but probably eight men works best. We're going to have four men or eight men, sorry. <laughs> we're going to have a qualifying match, whatever. But you didn't have to have qualifying matches. You could say, well, we're going to have Shawn Michaels versus... Uh, Vader, you know, I think Vader was still with the company. I'm not sure. Um, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> we have, no, we're gonna have Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog. And we're going to have Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. You can have like any number of, because the Nation of Domination was featured heavily in the Heart and DX storylines too. You have, we're going to have The Rock versus, uh, you know, whoever, Triple H and, so you could have had like this really cool eight-man tournament that night on Raw to determine a new champ, and you could still could have had Sean come away with the belt. Though it would have made all the sense in the world, and you could have Owen in the final uh, losing to Sean, or you could have had, you know, Owen in the semifinal losing to Sean, and then you know Austin has a chance to you know win the belt from Sean that night, but comes up just short. Maybe Owen interferes, and so you have. Uh, Owen and Austin with a little program and you could still get Austin to WrestleMania that way to, to beat Sean. It's beautiful. If I do say so myself, I just think that that makes more sense. I know armchair 2020 shit, pardon my language is easy to do um, when it comes to wrestling, but this is what we're here. We're talking about what if this is just a conversation about what if, what if this would have happened? It's, it's fun to think about. It's the reason we watch like the what if show on, you know, Disney plus about Marvel. You, you, you kind of like the, People tend to like what if scenarios. So that's sort of, you know, where that one goes as far as if Brett wins, you have any combination of a Sean versus Owen feud, Sean versus Austin feud. Um, so same thing with if Sean wins by DQ because Brett retains the belt at Survivor Series if that happens. So it doesn't really change much um, in that. But the, the other what ifs, uh, as we move along in this, and this is a big one, is let's just say that the screw job goes down as it did. Um, everything that happened that night happens as it did. Um, we get to Raw the next night. It, nothing really changes as far as what Sean and Hunter and everybody's doing. Vince still does the interview where he says Brett screwed Brett. And, turns into the Mr. McMahon character. Now, what's interesting about this in this sort of more realistic reality of what did happen is 
you tend to look at what didn't happen from there. I've always found it interesting that you know, eventually Davey, uh, British Bulldog, and Jim Neidhart as well, would follow Brett to WCW. Owen did not. Um, that's always been interesting. So I always sort of you know, ponder the idea because if I'm not mistaken, I could have this wrong. Maybe do a little better research going forward. The Hart family was all told by Vince, "Hey, look, we understand. We I had to do what I felt was right and best for business. But if you want out of your contracts, I'm happy to release you, and you're welcome to follow your brother, your family over to WCW. I won't. I don't have any problem with that. I'll do right by you, just the same way I want to do right by everyone and by this company." Brett, excuse me. Bulldog and Anvil obviously took those deals and followed him. Um, Bulldog would eventually come back a year later, which is also interesting. But let's say Owen says, you know what? I, I've kind of reached the peak of what I can accomplish here in the Federation. Let's go over there, WCW, make some guaranteed money. Because you got to understand, when Brett, when this happened, Brett was white hot as far as everyone expected him to go into WCW and set the world on fire. Maybe he was a little bit past his prime, but still you still had Hogan on top and you had so much stuff going on. The NWO was still hot. All this stuff was crazy. Most people expected, Oh, Brett's going to go right over there from day one and get in Hulk Hogan's face and challenge him. We're going to have Hogan versus Brett, which again, is this weird tether to 1993 that I'll get into here in a minute. I'll just, actually, I'll just talk about it now. So at WrestleMania in 93, Bret Hart versus Yokozuna for the world title. Yokozuna wins. Hogan comes back right after the match and challenges Yokozuna and wins the world title. So Hogan is the world champ. With the idea being, we're about to go on a European tour. We want Hogan as a champ to sell tickets, and then he'll drop it to Brett. Well, that never happens because Hogan allegedly said, Brett is nowhere near my level. Um, I'm not dropping the belt to him. I'll drop it to Yoko, but not whatever. It's also worth noting that Hogan was leaving. At the time, he didn't tell anyone he was going to WCW. He just said, I'm taking time off. I'm focusing on movies. So you have that in the back of your mind when it comes to the Hogan and Brett stuff is there's a little animosity there anyway. So Brett goes over to WCW. Let's say the family goes with him. It would have made all the sense in the world to have Hart family versus NWO. It would have been crazy, but if nothing else, Brett versus Hogan was what everyone wanted to see. It made all the sense in the world, but instead Brett goes over. He's the guest referee for that, Hogan sting match. And um, I realized Brett couldn't just show up that first night on nitro right away, but it just kind of ruined the vibe when all that energy was there. And then it took a month for him to show up. And then when he did show up, he's a referee. It's like, it's not exactly what, you know, we all envisioned, but, um, so you have that. So yeah, if the screw job continues to, as it does, you know, we could have and should have had Brett featured heavily in WCW. He never was again. There's there's a channel on YouTube called Wrestling Bios. 
and the dude does a great job of breaking down certain storylines and certain people when they did this. Uh, he does a great job talking about Brett's time in WCW, so if you want to look that up as well, it's definitely worth checking out as su- being supplemental to uh, this podcast and just good information and knowledge anyway. But we'll, um, we'll sort of wind this down because other episodes will be more in depth and it's like with the screw job it's stuff that a lot of people already know and so that's kind of why I wanted to start with that before I got too crazy with these multiverses but you know if I'm if I'm booking this as I said before um, what I would have done or what I would have liked to have seen happen like the ideal sacred timeline if you will for this would have been the family follows Brett to WCW. And begins a feud with the NWO. All building towards so the idea that Brett can never really get his hands on Hogan. Every time he gets close, he gets beat down. It could be very similar to what they did with Savage. Randy Savage was always going after Hogan uh, in those early NWO days, and every time he'd get close, you know, Nash or Hall or the Giant or whoever would beat Savage down, he'd never really be able to get there and get his hands on him. So you could do that with Brett as well. You could have, you could still continue to have Sting and these guys featured heavily against Hogan, but you know, continuing to build top stars. WCW was such a train wreck, though. So you got to understand when I'm saying, here's what I would have done. There's a lot of moving pieces, especially politically, that would have made this difficult. But if things go properly the way that they, I feel like they should go, you get all these combinations of Hart Foundation versus the NWO. You can have Scott Hall versus Owen Hart. You have British Bulldog versus Kevin Nash. You have all these different <clears throat> excuse me, matches. I'm getting a little dry in the throat here. So you have that. All building towards Starcade 98. Bret Hart versus Hulk Hogan, finally, with Bret Hart finally getting his victory over Hogan, winning the world title from Hulk Hogan. Again, that sounds far-fetched. This is a multiverse. doesn't really matter. Um, so there's that. The only other thing I would do differently uh, outside of that, because I know that's a lot, uh, saying and assuming that Owen Hart stays. I've already touched on it a bunch of times. If, if Owen Hart stays in the WWF, I make him a main eventer, especially in Brett's absence. Um, you can even you could even book him as a heel if you wanted to. Um, you could book him as someone that because he was really good at that heel character before when he was against Brett. So he could always say, "Look, I everyone knows I'm the better brother. Everyone knows my brother wasn't man enough to hang out here." Um, in the WWF, he wanted to take the easy way out, just like he did his whole life. I'm the man of the family. I'm the one here. So you could have that. You could have him garner heat that way. Or if you wanted to be him to be a face, you could have him defending his family's honor. Um, even if the rest of them are gone, which they were at that time, you can have him sort of be the lone wolf and do his own thing and, and fight to get over. And finally, eventually, you'd have never... I know hindsight's, you know, 2020 and may... Owen, rest in peace, but you'd have never had him in that blue blazer outfit. You'd have never had him zip lining to the ring. And we all know, um, most of us know rather the, the tragedy that occurred. Um, I think it was at the over the edge 99 pay-per-view 
if you haven't, there's a Dark Side of the Ring episode about that, which is very difficult to watch and listen to. Um, they don't show any footage of the death, by the way, but um, anyway, just watch it. I don't want to talk about it. But, um, you know, he'd have never been in that position in the first place. He'd have been main eventing and, you know, doing big things for the company. So the ideal timeline is with or without Owen, the Hart family versus NWO, and Owen Hart becoming a main eventer after all this because it makes all the sense in the world. You could still get Austin versus Sean at Mania. You could still have Austin as your top guy. It all works out. So that's just um, that's just sort of me and the way that I would have done it. And we'll have some more episodes like this uh, coming up soon. And uh, we'll kind of work on, I would say, as well, work on formatically you know, adding some different things to the podcast to make it more to make it a little bit easier to digest. It's hard to just listen to this guy rant about here. Here's what I would have done. What if this happened for at this point, we're talking about like 40 minutes and the episodes are going to get longer, the more in depth they get. So again, if you haven't already though, uh, dark side of the ring, Montreal Screwjob, dark side of the ring, uh, the Owen Hart tragedy, uh, wrestling bios on YouTube for a multitude of wrestling topics. Um, there's other things. Um, if you have Peacock, which a lot of people do because they want to be able to watch you know, The Office and Friends and, and everything, uh, any of their favorite hit NBC shows, or, or you know, it, maybe it's just the Boss Baby movie that's got you on Peacock. Doesn't matter. Go over to the WWE section, uh, do some digging, find King of the Ring 1993, find uh, Survivor Series 1997, obviously, watch this match, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels for context. Um, so yeah, just get on Peacock, watch some stuff on the network, WWE network, but yeah, so I want to thank you for tuning in on this sort of simulcast by pinfall only and the Nate show. Um, we won't do it on both. Uh, this will be a by pinfall only thing going forward, but I wanted to expose some of my Nate show friends and, and audience to, uh, sort of my other, the other side of me, which is the wrestling nerd side. So again, it, for anyone that's listening, um, appreciate you tuning in. A uh, shout out to Alex again, kind of the founder of this podcast and is sort of letting me have a singles run, if you will, on this. So I do appreciate that. But again, thanks for tuning in and I hope to have you back next time. But if not, eh, I get it.